Hello and welcome back to Surf Splendor. This is, of course, your host, David Scales. Today, we wax on with filmmaker Jack Coleman. You've seen his work. Um, I'm really pleased to be able to bring you this conversation with Jack. We talk on this show a lot about surfers who um, you'll kind of stop whatever you're doing to watch whenever they drop an edit or a video piece, like Dane Reynolds or Mason Ho. You stop what you're doing, you watch it so that you can participate in the conversation with everybody on the internet in real time because everybody's watching. Well, there's not a lot of filmmakers that I would do that for, but Jack is actually one of them. Whenever I see one of Jack's uh, short edits pop up on the internet, I stop and I watch it because they're fun and they're interesting. And um, I mentioned that you've probably seen his work. He does these commercial shorts for companies like Visla. Mollusk, Surf Shop, they're embedded all over the web. He does his own, too, that aren't necessarily branded by any um, any company, but they feature surfers like Rob Machado, Alex Nost, Ryan Birch, Ozzy Wright, and he's actually made a few feature-length films as well. Most recently was this last year, it was called The Zone, and then prior to that was Groove Move, and all of the A-plus clips that he films throughout the course of the year are reserved for those feature-length projects. And some really iconic sessions have gone down in those films. Derek Hind. Um, so I have trailers. I have the video clips. It's always tough to talk about um, such visual things on this show. But, of course, SurfSplendorPodcast.com has everything that I just mentioned and then everything that Jack and I discuss in this episode – I'll put teasers of those things up on Instagram throughout the week at Surf Splendor. Follow along there if you don't already. It's shocking, actually, how many listeners we have to the show uh, of this show, and then how few, by comparison, follow on Instagram. So if you use Instagram, give us a follow at Surf Splendor, and then share the show uh, from there. Uh, as our audience has expanded, thanks to you sharing it, I've been able to increase our show offerings, which has been really, really cool. So this show, Wax On, of course, we have Shaping Surfing, we have Spit with Scott Bass, and of course, Grit with Chaz Smith is a new offering. And even more recent than that, I actually just this week launched a wine podcast as well. So if you want to check that out, you can find it on any podcasting app. It's called The Double D Wine Show, and the website is thedoubledwineshow.com. If you care at all about wine, please check that out. And without further ado, allow me to wax on with filmmaker Jack Coleman. I will be back at the end of the show to sign us off. Thanks again. Tell me about today. Let's get it on the mic since... <laughs> today. Yeah, what, what did the day consist of? Uh, the day consisted of... I probably woke up like... I've been waking up kind of early lately. Like almost the sun's been coming up five-ish. Yeah. I've been like up at five i've had this weird kind of energy right now i guess i'm just kind of really excited for summer and especially when there's waves i'm kind of just up early so woke up and um i usually just check the cams and yesterday i went down to san clemente and i knew it was like pretty fun and i uh, looked at the cams i was like oh there's there's still some waves and um did a few things, did a few editing things that I needed to do, went to the post office, mailed off a few things that I needed to do, and um, and then, yeah, I made a few phone calls, and I'm like, I'm going, and I uh, went down again and uh, to um, 
I went to San Onofre, and on the way in, I saw Lowers, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's on again. It was, yeah. like, just perfect Lowers, like, but I heard it was kind of too peaky, oh, almost. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it was just beautiful, you know, not a crack, like, it's just sun, no clouds in the sky, like, dead blue water, and... Um, so, yeah, I just went straight to Sano, and then I got my surf in before the guys I was shooting got there. Okay. So I knew. I'm like, oh, they're coming around noonish, and um, I got there at like 10.30, so I got my surf in, and then everyone came. I had, you know, five different friends that met me today that I shot with, so working on a few projects, and, and um, yeah, I just... Uh, Who'd you shoot? Um, I shot Tyler Warren. In the morning, and then Tanner and Levi Prairie, who are um, brothers. I'm doing like a little short on them as brothers, cool. and one's like a really good shaper, and the other one's um, like they're just rad surfers, rad guys. And uh, Justin Adams uh, showed up. He's the last one that showed up, and Kyle Kenley was there as well. He's a friend of mine that they all, you know, I I really like all their surfing. I'm kind of doing something with each of them, so cool. Yeah, I yeah, just I've been to Kyle's coffee shop. Sweet, yeah, Daydream. Yeah, it's totally. epic. Shout yep. out to Daydream. Yeah, Daydream. <laughs> um, I wanted to start off just by saying I'm going to kind of read from my notes if you don't mind. Yeah, my no problem. Eyes aren't. Um, my experience watching your uh, films, edits, whatever, has been kind of an epiphany or kind of mind altering in realization and recognition recognition of how waves can be ridden you know like and how boards can be ridden the guys you're filming with the types of boards that they're riding um if left to my own devices i just kind of focus on high performance surfing because that's kind of what i grew up with yeah. high performance thruster shortboarding basically yeah, yeah. um and so even though I don't shred anymore, that's still kind of where my focus is. So being yeah. exposed to stuff like you're doing, it really enlightens me and is like, oh my gosh, I can have so much more fun rather than being disappointed every session that my ability level is digressing or digressing. Yeah. Um, and so your films not only highlight alternative craft, but also alternative lines, you know. And uses of a wave's energy and ways that you can explore that wave. The other thing is, like, John John Florence's surfing is so freakishly unrelatable. <laughs> you know, it's like I can admire when he does an insane alley-oop at Ayukai or off the wall. Yeah. But I'll never do anything like that. And so I feel like um, in your films there's an element of relatability. The way, the way that those guys are surfing. And so, um, and it's, so it's aspirational, I think, is what it is. And it's been really an eye-opening experience for me, being exposed to that, to your stuff. Epic. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to get across with is my it? films. Yeah, absolutely. I was right where you were as well. I was, um, grew up in the whole thrust. I grew up, you know, the Tom Curran was like my hero. I grew up with all that. And then the Taylor Steele movies came, and I just wanted to shred, you know. I was shredding just shred 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 and then you kind of reach a level it's like for me it was in my late 20s where i kind of almost started to like you're saying digress i felt i was totally. like man i peaked when i was like 24 ish i thought and um and then after i was kind of digressing and then it started to be not as fun because i was like why can i why am i doing the same thing i mean two years ago i was on a 6-0 now i can't get in on my 6-0 or 
and then eventually I kind of I started chopping the noses off my board, and then like the the um, like the Piranha the C5 started to come in. The little bit more fish designs started to come in, and then I got one of those, and then I was like, whoa, you know, like I could have fun every day, mm-hmm. and um, and then I started to eventually, you know, in my 30s, I started getting, a, you know, I got into longboarding, or I got a longboard off of a friend for 300 bucks, like a. It was a nine six, and um, and yeah, it was just like every day. I was like, "Wow, you could just go out and have a blast every day." And I just caught like a hundred waves. Like this is this is incredible, you know. Like see you later, shortboard. And um, and I kind of haven't really looked back that much. I mean, I, I don't really, um, I don't really miss like hitting the lip really hard or doing that rappy. I love more of, yeah, the flow of a wave and stuff. And um, so, yeah, I just have uh, evolved into where I'm at now. And then, yeah, with the the guys that I show in my films and then in all my shorts and stuff as well, I like definitely interested in those guys that are taking different lines, you know, Mm -hmm. because I want an element of relatability that, like you said, um, is absolutely like because you could see yeah john john at like tiopu and it's after a while it's almost kind of boring I, mm-hmm. i'd rather see like someone you know working it through a normal beach break or something like that or on a board that's not a thruster <laughs> I, I have time and room for both things you know they're yeah. just they serve different purposes for yeah me, i guess for sure 100 percent. um i find talking about that longboard situation i found myself the last week hoping for longboard days and then i'd show up at the beach and i'm like dang it i gotta ride my shortboard again and i was like bummed out you <laughs> really know? yeah because there's yeah. too much swell yeah know? i know that's that's um yeah you're right it's funny um yeah man i i can't even really you know what it actually happened to me two months ago and and i was in australia i was shooting with ozzy wright he brought two boards or it's me, Ozzy, and Wade Goodall, and I'm, you know, I'm like, wow, these are like my favorite short borders and stuff. But Ozzy's really into doing other stuff, and especially like when he's with me, he'll be like, "What board should I ride?" You know, I don't know. And uh, and uh, he had a fish, a, a, a Joel Fitzgerald fish, and then he had like a chili shortboard, and it was kind of like a really punchy beach breaky kind of day, and it was definitely like head high and solid and like tubing. And I was like, well, uh, you know me. I was like, uh, just take the fish, you know, take the fish out. So he took the fish out. And, uh, like, within, like, 30 minutes, I was just like, whoa. I saw him struggling, and he was just getting smoked. And then um, so he ran in, grabbed a shortboard, went out, and started going nuts. I was like, wow, okay, so that's, for me, it doesn't, I can't imagine, like, what situation a shortboard's good for. But there is a lot of situations that they're, they're, the right board to use and um and yeah and i knew i was like oh, okay you know i'm so far to the other side of the spectrum from the high fidelity hi-fi stuff right that it doesn't even really touch in my brain anymore because it's like to see an air reverse or to see it doesn't really excite me anymore it's almost like unattractive kind of sure it's weird i I'd, I'd way rather see you know um someone riding a really weird board or like any you know an alea anything that's different that's mm-hmm. where i'm like whoa that's that's pretty insane mm. 
but uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm so far gone now. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> and then but this next film that I'm working on is going to have some shortboarding. I'm going to like really work on. All right, I want some shortboarding because I want Wade in the movie, and obviously, you know, Ozzy is another guy that I've worked with for a long time. So, um, and Ozzy's like, I mean, Wade's straight, like kind of shortboard guy. So. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna have some shortboarding in the next because it's a it was a major part of me growing up in surfing and stuff and and I've I've you know almost like shunned turned my back to it in a way but uh, but yeah there's there's it's you got to shred when you're a grom and stuff you know it's all yeah. about like you just got to shred. I I'll tell you what, dude, I could see a lot more of Wade Goodall than I do. Like I'm desperate to see that mm-hmm. footage. Like the guy shreds. He's so rad. Dude, he's unbelievable. He's the most, like... It's weird, because here in America, he's, like, literally unknown, kind of. Yeah. I mean, there's not very much footage of him. And um, he's just this really kind of under-the-radar misto guy. But in Australia, he's, like, a hero. Everyone loves him. But he still is just so humble that he doesn't bring the attention to himself. And I think that that is why he's able to sustain, like... The career he's still going. Yeah, you know he has two kids now, oh, and he? yeah, he has two kids, and um, everyone just loves him. He's just got such a good heart, and he's such a good person that I think that his his career will just continue to grow. But he's what he has is one of my really good friends is like grew up with him. He has cat like reflexes, and he's like literally like the best balance. So when you watch Wade, you realize, like, wow, his balance is really incredible. Hmm. Like, up there, there's a few guys, like Bryce Young comes to mind, or Wade. Uh, these guys have, like, I mean, world-class balance, and that's why they are who they are, you know? Yeah, for listeners who don't know, he was, I think, like, his career trajectory has been limited by, he was with Billabong and got cut when everybody kind of got cut. Yeah. So that was kind of right in his prime. Then he broke his leg twice, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Was there any other injuries? Um, yeah, he had he had um, he had an ankle, a knee. Yeah, okay. he broke his leg twice. Yeah, at the same spot, Green Point in uh, in in New South Wales, was and it um, opposite legs or the same leg. It was the. I'm not 100, percent but I want to say that it was the opposite leg. I, I feel like it was. Too. Yeah, I feel like it was like. So ironic. The yeah. story was like, oh my gosh, you're yeah. never going to believe this. Yeah. You know? Pretty wild. Yeah. But yeah, so right now he's 100% first time in years. And, um, is he on Vans head to toe? Yeah, he's on Vans head to toe. Good and for then, him. and, um, yeah, he's still, he's still doing it. And I wouldn't even care. I mean, I'd actually prefer he wasn't riding for anyone, but I'd love to have, see him on a board with like no stickers and stuff like that. But, uh, but um, he's an exception to, uh, like, what I usually do in my films. You know, it's usually totally. kind of logoless, like that type of um, uh, that type of look. But this one, I'm definitely kind of going to go a little bit more out into the the main main mainstream world. You know. Well, uh, nobody else is covering him. I feel so. Yeah. You might as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's what I say. I want to bring to America. You know, yeah. so they could kind of see him, but. Um, yeah, obviously in in Australia he's like he's a hero. Everyone loves him. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit. What got you interested in filmmaking? Um. Well, I did photography. Okay. Like so, I started um, shooting photos and stuff, and it was you know the mid 
90s, like 35 millimeter was still the format. And um, so, yeah, I was I was just doing and then I I eventually was like, well, I want to do photography for a living. And I did all the, you know, portraits, you know, started out like shooting the kids on the beach and doing that basic stuff. And that evolved into like well, I was doing weddings and then I was doing lookbooks. I was doing products. I was doing, you know, studio stuff, everything. And um, and then I, I was like, oh, I want to go to art school and kind of I feel like I'm I've reached where I'm at. And that was like after eight years of shooting forward photos. But I was I was, um, you know, starting to make a living off of it. So then I went to school and in schools when I kind of found Super 8 because we were really kind of shooting large format stuff, you know, learning what the camera does and all the like processing and everything. And I knew what Super 8 was from my childhood because we used to project the films and stuff and the 16 and everything in our home. And, um, and right when I found that, I kind of knew. I was like, whoa, this is, um, this, is, this is pretty interesting, you know? So I was doing that for a while, and I was actually like living with the band. At that, at that point, I lived with the Growlers for two years, and I was kind of like shooting all their music videos and then going on tour with them. And it was kind of like they let me, you know, I was almost like the sixth member of the band for a couple of years. And then it reached a point where management was just like, hey, Jack, well, what do you want to do with the band? And, you know, and I kind of back in my mind, I realized the whole time I just like surfing's the love of my life. And I realized I'm like, well, why don't I try and make surfing films? Because that's what I or, you know, I, I tried doing surf photography at first. And it was really hard. I didn't have the equipment. And um, I just had, like, portrait-style equipment. And then eventually uh, I just was like, well, let me try shoot, you know. I was like, oh, I knew a few people. One was Alex Nost, was, you know, 2009-ish. And um, he's like, yeah, I just started shooting surfing with my Super 8 for fun. And it's here we are 10 years later, and it's finally come into to that. So that was the kind of realization I knew. I had, you know, I had, like... I was hustling, doing the shooting weddings and shooting lookbooks and doing all this stuff, shooting girls and on the set. And there's like 40 people watching you shoot a girl and fix your hair and all these like, I kind of realized like, well, this is kind of like fake. You're creating fake scenes and I wanted more realness in my life. And I felt that photography was kind of, you create this false world and with film, um, you can you have to bring some element of realness to it because there's moving, there's motion, and you could create something. You could create your own little worlds, basically. And then that was how I made the switch from photography to videography and stuff. And I kind of knew as well. I was like, man, everyone's a photographer now by 2010. You know, 12, 13. It was like everyone was was a photographer, and I knew that it was more difficult to shoot video and film because I tried both. I was like, well, it's kind of like harder to shoot video. You got to set up and shoot with the tripod and all this stuff. And um, so I knew, I was like, well, there's not very many people that do that. And um, that was my opportunity. I felt like I was going to try and give that a go. And that's how I got into it. What appealed to you about Super 8? Um, 
I would say, yeah, just kind of nostalgic for me because we had the projector at our house and it would be like we would go on family vacations or my uncle Buddy would come and shoot his Super 8 and then we'd all like, my uncles would sit together and there would be 30 of us in the living room just watching it and just like, oh my gosh. And and um, I, I like the texture of it, the feel of it. I mean, I like 16 mil. I like all of that, you know, the analog stuff. Um because, yeah, when I first started doing photography, there was no digital. I remember when digital came in the scene, and, like, I was kind of, like, the last one. I was like, whoa. And then eventually, yeah, I got my Canon 10D, and I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy, you know. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, you know, it's a whole process. It's kind of like shooting it, and then you put it away, and you're just like, oh, my God, you know, did I get anything? And I, I shot for a couple years um, and a lot of the footage came back and was like really I was shooting the wrong surfer and it was almost unusable and a lot of stuff was just like really bad but I had to kind of just keep treading forward and um, and then it, you know after like a couple years of shooting just like average surfer like friends and stuff I, I then I started shooting with like real surfers and like in one trip I was like I got more footage in one day than I just did in the last two years. Okay, you got to shoot guys that know how to surf. So, right. so I kind of figured that out, and then, um, and then, yeah, that was when I kind of, me and Alex kind of came together, and there was another surfer around Newport. His name was Josh Hoyer, who was yeah. kind of a underground legend, and and um, he was nice enough to, yeah, you know, let me shoot with him in the first parts of when I started shooting surfing. So, um, those were the first two guys that I really started working with and then i love hoyer yeah i don't see him around that much anymore is he still surfing or yeah no i haven't seen him in the water in like in a few months like six months or something but yeah usually um he's out there but i guess uh i i did see him a few months back maybe like three months back and he was like he's doing concrete oh really yeah he's doing concrete now and he's got like um, a family and stuff no, no, he's still single. He like has this bachelor pad with like all this like motorcycle parts and like animal skulls in in the living room, like head to toe, just like kind of hordish almost, like crazy. And um, and yeah, he just kind of is like he's doing like window displays or concrete. He's just really like interesting dude that's kind of like doing his own thing, you know. That's awesome. I'm but glad yeah. to hear that, actually. Yeah, he, every once in a while, like, it's really good, he'll paddle out. And everyone's right. like, yeah, Hoyer. You know? Dude, the guy shrinks. He still looks the same. He's probably like 140 pounds, like just so skinny still. Like, oh, my God. Um, can you explain for listeners, like, the challenges of working with film as opposed to digital and, like, the expense involved and the processing and all that? I mean, yeah. you obviously said you're not sure what you have in the can, and yeah. then you get it back sometimes and there's no payoff. But yeah. There's expense involved, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably you know one of the main things now that it's kind of almost not that feasible to do for shooting surfing. Because um, I've I've moved now into I brought digital into the mix, and I'm really loving shooting digital. I mean, the digital looks great, and I think it offsets the film really nicely. But um, some of the challenges are like um, obviously the expense. Um, and then you know the equipment that you have to get because you're you're um, they stopped making these particular cameras like in 1983. Well, I think was the last. There's a few companies that just came out with new cameras um, for Super 8s and stuff. So you're you're using 
old old equipment and a lot of the time like you could be out on a trip and your camera would just go down out of nowhere because it's you know 40 50 years old sometimes and super hot super humid yeah or you know just something something goes out and you and there's only there's like that i know of one guy like some 75 year old dude that is in pasadena that's able to repair a lot of these cameras so you can't find people to repair them yeah so that's pretty tough um and then you know getting the film getting the film and then now you have to get the film transferred after you get it processed which is another step and and more money as well but um so that's you transfer it to digital so then you can edit it together and whatever you use with the digital footage yeah but yeah, back in the day, they didn't do that. They just, yeah. you know, they had to do cut it themselves and stuff. So yeah, I got it easy. I'm like, this is easy. Right. But, but yeah, also exposing the film correctly because it's like a lot of times you're you're gonna have to manually um, expose for the light that you're shooting in and stuff. So you know, it's not like you just pop it in and we, you know. So it takes an element of kind of knowing what what's going on and stuff. Sure. Um, so, but for me now, it's like I could look in this corner and be like, "Oh yeah, I want to be at you know two point eight at sixtieth because it's low light." I look out here, I'm like, "Oh, that's two fifty. You know, I'm okay. just constant like reading of the light and then knowing the film and your camera because certain cameras will expose the film differently and stuff. So, right. Um, what filmmakers? did you kind of admire as you were getting into it? Like, who did you look up to? I know you said you watched the Taylor Steele stuff when you were really young, but as you're exploring working with actual, like, Super 8 and 16 mil. Yeah. Who- no, it was crazy because, yeah, I was a super hi-fi when I was growing up. I just was shredding, and I was like, man, I loved um, Taylor Steele's movies, obviously. Um, and I loved Jack McCoy's movies. Um, so that was in that kind of early 90s range right there that was like right when I was you know 18 ish kind of doing that and um, and yeah like I, I was never into like any longboarding movies and stuff I was almost like anti longboarding stuff you know when you're that year like oh screw these longboarders totally. yeah so I never I mean obviously End the Summer was like my favorite movie of all time I remember the den that I sat in and watched it at you know age eight or nine really? I still remember I could feel the light in it who was with me and just going like oh my good this is you know the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life you know wow. um, so then yeah I kind of eventually started to look into a little bit more I started to dig deeper and um, and then you know Innermost Limits of Pure Fun came to me Morning of the Earth and when I saw these movies, I was like, wait a second, this is what I wanted to do, and someone's already done this, because I knew with the look and the feel of the film that I was shooting, but I was so oblivious to the, the, the history of the, the cinema, the surf cinema, I thought I was going to be the first person ever to do this kind of stuff. Right. So, yeah. So what I saw, I was like, wow, this is exactly like what I'm thinking in my head of what it's going to look like when I am able to do this stuff. So, so yeah, when, I mean, right after, you know, it must've been 2009 ish, I would say when I got introduced to Greeno and ever since, you know, it's just like, Oh wow. You know, like he's, you know, the man, obviously I've, I've uh, just bowed down to 
and um, respect him so much. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of the turning point where I kind of was like, all right, well, wow, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, and you know the Severson movies and all just starting to kind of later on absorb it all. So I think it's a normal thing for a lot of surfers like yeah. to kind of as they grow they they'll kind of be introduced to the other side. So and be and also develop a reverence for the history. You yeah, know, not just what you were raised on yeah. being new and fresh. Exactly. Um I'm curious, like even in the last ten years, the medium has changed so much. Like the internet. Because, <laughs> I mean, I would think 2009, it was the objective would have been feature-length surf film. And since that time, you know, the three-minute edit has kind of taken over. And then the 15-second Instagram clip has taken over now, you know? <laughs> so I'm curious, what's that process been like for you? And um, Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really thought. I mean, every once in a while, it kind of comes into my mind, like, whoa. Uh, well, what's your objective, though? I mean, is your goal still to make feature-length films? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. That's I've I've kind of um, I always have the one like today I was shooting for f- like four separate things. So mm-hmm. when I'm shooting, I'm like going okay, like almost it almost comes out to if I'm shooting for my feature film, like there's one of the surfers, you know, I got you got to have the right board, the right everything. It's hard to get all those elements together, so. Say I shoot a session and it's like, whoa, this is going to be a short for so and so. This is good, and then this guy is going to be a short for so and so. And then like the the best waves from that day, I'm saving for my main film, which is going to be coming out in a couple years. So I keep tucking away like my favorite clips, okay. and then all the other stuff I use for to kind of keep the ship going. You know, for for this is short for this, this is short for that. And that's kind of how I've been doing it since the internet's come in to play. Yeah. And um... when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious. And there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInJobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, it's even to the point now where it's like, I don't know, you know, if there's a clip that I'd, I'd use a couple clips that I'd put in a short and I was kicking myself like, why did I put it in that short? Oh, no. And I just look at it this way. It's like the Internet stuff. It's like in people's like eyes one second and it's gone the next for the most part and movies like last forever so if there's a, a wave or particular shot that i'd used in a short and i'm like oh, i want to put this in my film i think that my, the film will have more longevity and it won't matter because not no one's going to go like oh do you remember that one short in february 2016 where um you know like yeah. justin did that one top turn let's go find it on the internet no it's like so so yeah i feel like i'm i've been making my films and stuff for I want them to be relevant in you know 20 years 40 years or when I'm gone and passed away I, I'd love for them to be referenced like whoa this is a pretty interesting time in surfing so that's kind of my approach to filmmaking and stuff now mm -hmm. in the internet age because because yeah it's it's especially now it's like I'm just able to focus on surfing so I'm able to make you know make my living and, and get by so i could go to the next trip and make the next movie and stuff like that so that's how i've been i've been doing it but yeah it was pretty scary for a little bit there but then at the same time it was kind of like oh, i could do this blindfolded you know mm -hmm. like two minute edits like i could burp one out you know yeah. I, it's really kind of easy you know totally. like it's very very simple um simple thing it's well if you don't mind i'm curious to talk about the business of it a little bit like Obviously, you said you were in Australia, that there's an expense there. Um, what does the business model look like? And is it that the feature-length film serves as a uh, portfolio piece to then get commercial work? And yeah, how, does, I would how be, does the business work? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of um, different than a lot of filmmakers, I think, like, or, or that the, the business-oriented ones. Like, I'm in it not for like the money it it seems like uh <laughs> <laughs> but you still gotta fly to australia yeah you know yeah well no absolutely i mean but but yeah when i do work for certain people sometimes they'll be like hey you know um or we're gonna pay you this much for it so i'm like whoa okay that's a plane flight so that would pay for my plane flight and then when i get there i'm usually like crashing with friends you know it's not like i get there and i'm like five-star hotel so yeah i usually stay it's it's almost it seems like the last maybe you know 10 years i'm almost like this like traveling kind of will work for shelter kind of thing i i, I stay with a lot of people i stay with i usually do film projects for them or with them and stuff um and then yeah as far as the money is like all the money that i make from the shorts or you know the shorts that I sell like so that's one of the one of the areas you know I have a few clients that I do shorts for you know it was corduroy thalia or mollusk is you know one of my main people that that I do stuff for um, 
that's just, you know, boom. And then over the last two and a half years, I've been, I'm a brand ambassador now for, uh, for Visla. So they've been helping me out. Um, like in, in a couple weeks, I'm going to, I'm going to Indonesia with Birch and Bryce and Disney for my next film. And Visla helped pay for my, they pay for my plane flight. So that helps, you know. Two of those guys are their guys, right? Yeah. Disney and... Yeah. And, uh, Diz and Bryce. So, Bryce. so yeah, that was why they kind of knew, like, okay, this is going to be good for us. Well, for sure, you know. Like, I, if I need help, I could ask. And and uh, for the most part, I'm pretty simple. I'm not very high-tech. I mean, I, I use very basic equipment. I'm not, like, a big... Like, I got my laptop. And when I go on a trip, I'm kind of just there. I'm not, like... I don't even have... A, you know, I have a flip phone. Right. I don't. So I'm very kind of low maintenance. You could stuff me in a corner and I'm happy. Um, I'm just happiest when like I'm shooting, surfing, I'm surfing, I'm by the ocean. Like that's, that's what makes me happy. And I think that people like having me around because that's kind of what I bring, you know, to whoever I'm staying with or whoever's kind of helping me or anything. It's kind of like, I, I try not to take more than I give. And I, I feel like um, I've just I've just been kind of swimming through, like barely getting by, and uh, but you know over the last year has been the most successful year, or since okay. my last film has been the most successful, and I'm really appreciative of all the you know people that have that have purchased one online through the online is you know now is a new avenue. So so now I have I'm working with someone in Japan, so I have like they're getting my films renting them and then i get you know the short money in the ambassador money in and it's just you know it's pretty um it's enough to travel and and go on the next trip you know i'm not driving a bmw or anything but uh, (laughs) not like i want to but no so the last film the zone yeah yeah uh what's the equitability of making a feature film nowadays you know like obviously you said you're working on it for a couple of years yeah and then the return on the investment is just selling individual units, right? Yeah. And how, how does that work out? Does it actually cover its own cost? Um, yeah, probably. Okay, good. But I, I think that even if I was not making the the feature-length film, I would have been doing it anyways. It's just like I'd be I'd be spending all my money on surfing anyways. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a um, – yeah, you know, up to – to, to the zone all of my movies were kind of I didn't really even care about making money at the at the end of it sure and um, so yeah it was it was nice that this one how it, how it kind of worked out you know like it was like well you know I made a, you know a little bit enough to kind of get me I was like well I guess I'm gonna I guess I have to make another one uh, but uh, but yeah you know it's not lucrative but yeah. but I'm not out there trying to make it lucrative. I mean, there's, I mean, you could be really like, you know, kind of all or, or Taylor who are very good entrepreneurs and they, they branched out into very business structured type things. And, and I like to just keep it like, let's keep it smiles, shakas, and just, I'm not really too, too worried about that. But if it comes, it's great. Cause like, it's really nice now to be able to go like, whoa, you know, I could go get myself a burrito. I'm not like, I'm not like, oh my gosh, I'm like, you know, I have no money because it was like that for a long time. And also, I think just to be able to continue your craft. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. that's an important thing. Yeah, totally. With feature film in general, you seem to be um, very con- or intent that it is that it still has a place in the world in surfing and in surf culture. I question that more and more kind of each year as I feel like my time just gets stretched thinner and thinner and like a film will come out that I really want to see. And then a month later, I'm like, oh, I still haven't made the time to see that, you know? And then somebody else tells me like, oh, it's phenomenal. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'll watch it. And then another month goes by because I can't carve out an hour of my time or because on Netflix, House of Cards is available and that's phenomenally good, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so... Um, I, maybe there's just more things competing for my time, but I, again, I question whether or not that's even, uh, something that we need anymore in surf culture. What are your thoughts on the feature film? Yeah, I think that, um, I think there's definitely a place for it. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of people that still like, um, they can't afford like cable TV. They can't, they're just in their house, you know, imagine a, there's four guys that live in this house and they have one DVD player <laughs> and they get the DVD, you know, that, that I made for them and that thing's in their DVD player for like three months straight, you know, and it's almost like encapsulates a little time of of their lives, you know, that little time when you, when they hear that, you hear the soundtrack or you just think back like, whoa, I remember that time. So yeah, I think it's, it's super relevant still because um, what I do... I, I make my film with a DVD kind of in as like the final product when I first started, you know, 2009, 2010, there was still kind of, that was what you made a movie for. Like, Oh, I'm making it for this final output. But now you bring in the, well, I'm making it for iTunes or, so I'm still making it for like the DVD format for those poor people that are at home that all they have is a D, uh, DVD player. They don't have Netflix. They can't be. They can't afford seven ninety nine, or they or they don't even care about that. Sure, they're kind of living in that 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 uh, that other world, you know, the other side of the tracks. But that's the side of the tracks that I kind of was on growing up and stuff as well. So, but yeah, I mean, it's that's a that's a pretty um, valid question if it's relevant. But yeah, I I feel like. Uh, and it's nice too, you know. Like if you if you create like a nice film, it's something that uh, could bring like a family together, or you know, for a little bit of time, or friends, and you know, get them together and and just be kind of like, let's put this on right now mm-hmm. and let's enjoy it. You know, we've seen Batman forty six, you know, Dumb and Dumber. Er, er, and, uh, <laughs> so so yeah, I mean that's kind of what I'm hoping with still making them and if they don't you know if they're not relevant in a few years then um, I won't do them <laughs> but. well you know I say that as a fan like I say that because I was raised on it and like I could like you said you remember the exact room that you were sitting in and who was in the room like I could take you in the garage and show you my containers full of DVDs, surf DVDs and VHSs. Yeah, for sure. Like I still I have those. them all, you yeah. know? Like I was such a huge fan. And so I ask that because I struggle with it. It's like, no, I am a fan of this platform. And then I actually, as I've analyzed it, I think that I'm still a fan of the platform. I think I've been let down by our modern filmmakers. Mm. Like I think that... Um, 
they've lost the plot a little bit and maybe their interest is deferred towards commercial work or towards um, making short edits and they kind of forgot how important story is. Yep. What I what I try to do or the one of the main things that I really love about like filmmaking and making shorts to surfing is is you know I I love particular type of music to go with surfing because a lot of the edits I see I get lost because they're using just songs that are kind of like I don't know you know like to me it's just like man why did you use that song and especially now in this kind of commercial age that we've been in the last you know five to seven years they use those very like dramatic songs with the like and and it's just you know it's like man let's just keep it i just try I, me personally i just keep it like about surfing yeah. i want some fun music to go along with it something that goes along with either the rider or the boards or the location and uh just don't overthink it and don't over edit it and like i i don't you know there's not too many after effects it's just like the effect is the surfing and and i mean yeah i haven't my films aren't very story based at all you know they're they're pretty pretty much just music and surfing and there's there's a little bit of little things that go here and there i guess but um see i was gonna i'll actually argue with you about your own films oh. <laughs> like even the three minute edits tell a story like mm. it shows um your three minute edits by the way like it it'll show hiking into the spot and so there's an element of like or um driving down to the spot together and everybody laughing together. It's like, oh, okay, these are the guys. They're on a road trip. They had to hike into the spot. Then there's a cutaway of the um, conditions of the day. Like, oh, it's rainy or, oh, it's foggy. And then there's a couple of waves of the guy falling. And then him making the turn or making not spinning out on the finless board that he's riding. Yeah. And so that now actually makes me feel like I was at the beach that day and I watched that guy paddle out on the finless board and I questioned whether or not he could ride it and I watched him spin out three times and I watched him make one like that is the story you know and your music selection fits with it because it's fun and irreverent like his session is you know so I think that you are actually telling that story well thank you yeah I try to without the you know the narrative aspect of it Yeah, yeah that's kind of what I've always wanted to do just like have it naturally kind of narrate itself and just play out just like just like Greeno's films or Falzon's films it's just like boom they have the music you see him like whoa these people are on a farm right now they're shaping their own boards you know he's cutting its film and it's like they're going down to the they're camping out in bushes like hiding from the navy you know like like that stuff um yeah just it, it tells its own story but but yeah, I try to definitely. Um, like yeah, my my formula is pretty simple. It's just like I want to I want to like part part you know nature waves mm-hmm. and the subject the surfers you know mostly I just want my surfers smiling. Mm-hmm. I want like you know if there's like animals that are around when you get on the beach. I love shooting the animals. I love you know the light obviously and then the waves and and yeah just surfing. The fun part for me is too like knowing a song that I that I have for a particular film project and that I'm actually filming at the time it's just like whoa you know I'm like so excited you start shooting for the song 
I, it's almost, yeah, it's almost kind of, sometimes it works that way. Yeah. It's like, whoa, you know, it's almost, maybe that takes me back to my music video kind of beginning, you know, before I got into surf, I was doing music videos. So yeah, almost making, when I first started doing the surf edits, it was like making like surf music video kind yeah. of things using the same formula, but yeah, like putting in certain um, shots to kind of put it all together to the music, which is, I think is the most kind of important part of the... Are you listening to music while you're filming? Uh, no, I actually like... I love to hear the ambience of the, mm. the... I'm not one of those... like Most filmers like have a radio with them and stuff, but mm-hmm. I love the... I love the kind of alone time. I love the... the the charge you know that's for me it's like it's a it's charging i'm charging myself you know getting that vitamin d in getting my feet in the sand and then when i'm looking through the lens and you know if i'm shooting my friends surfing it's like i feel like i'm catching the wave with them you know Mm because it's the you know how long it took to us to get to this location and then we got this board and we got you know this surfer right now it's like so exciting for me i'm just like oh my gosh you know like like shaking sometimes when I have like you know really someone that I really admire now that I'm starting to shoot with like you know top top guys that I'm just like you know living out my dream you know yeah Yeah, so it's 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 um really exciting you know well I guess to sum it up like that is um what your even your shorts um convey is the story but it's a recreation of the day itself that you were there you know and it makes you feel as the viewer like you're there watching that session that's epic yeah and i actually had it in my notes to ask you about music you brought it up but um it factors so prominently into surf film you know and i agree with you like i'm constantly disappointed with people's song selection Mm -hmm. i i think what it is is some people just don't care about music as much as other people do but Again, talking about Taylor Steele, like I can remember if I hear a song today that was in a Taylor Steele film and I, there's a certain cymbal crash, I can tell you Chris Malloy's turn that he did to yeah. that cymbal yeah. crash, you know? I remember. I, me as well. <laughs> that's, how, that's how important it is. Yeah. And it's a shame that people overlook that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Filmmakers. Well, I think that at this point, like, I think that there's not very many current bands that are actually pumping out like good so that has a lot to do with it you know like all the songs have been sung and now it's just like these pop songs or these like weird like things it's like man i just want some like traditional like i love um non-lyrical a lot of stuff i use is instrumental so because then that brings surfing to the front Mm. and then i use that sound to just kind of layer the surfing um, but but yeah, it's just a lot of modern surf movies will be like there you go. You'll see like you know Mitch Colburn or you know whatever he's gonna about to hit the lip, and it's just like and then you hear someone just going like yeah I wanna love you. It's like ah oh, I don't want to hear this guy you know like ah you know but uh, but yeah no music choices um, it's tough because because in the in the in the movie making world or in that world a lot of people are very they're paranoid that if they use this song like they're like police are going to come there's gonna be helicopters and it's not like that you know at all it's it's very um depending on what you're using it for i mean obviously if you're working for like 
a big, huge company, you know, and you can't, you're not going to be using like Grateful Dead songs or, right. you know, but like some of Volcom's early movies, which was another one that I forgot to touch upon that those Troy Eckert's stuff that he did were a huge influence on oh, me, yeah. you know, after the Taylor Steele thing, I kind of got away from surf films and I was kind of, I was actually like surfing and not really like, I remember, you know, it was just kind of a point in time. I was kind of like more interested in girls and then, and then, and then the Vulcan movies came, and I was just like, "Oh wow!" It pulled me right back into surfing, you okay. know. Well, I was kind of like, "Whoa!" And um, but yeah, some of the old Vulcan uh, movies they use like Pink Floyd stuff, and they used music that they really liked, and it showed in the in the product and the after product. Right. Some of those movies are iconic. But the thing about those is, yeah, you can't go to Netflix and go and go and watch it because they didn't get the rights to the yeah so that's what i do with my films if i'm gonna um sell it to you know in japan and they want to make sure all the songs are cleared i just i'll just switch out the soundtrack to the soundtrack that would work for that and boom that's how i do it but that's my favorite part is picking out the music for the films Mm because i'm like so excited that like wow like there's gonna be a, a film with like not annoying music in it that i'm so excited Totally. Um, another thought on the relevance of feature film. I was went to that uh, Costa Mesa premiere of Free Jazz Vane, whenever that was, on Friday. Uh-huh. Um, and that re-kind of affirmed the value of watching fil- surf films in a group environment on the big screen. Mm-hmm. And I think that film in particular shows best on the big screen. Yeah. In this case, it was a big wall. Yeah, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but the energy of the room, you know, and like communally going out and, and imbibing in this thing and consuming it together, it was infinitely more enjoyable than watching it by myself at home. Yeah. God forbid on my phone. Yep. You know? <laughs> For sure. So I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I get it. Oh, like this is what it was meant to be, you know? Yep. With the music pumped up super loud and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that that definitely has relevance still. Yeah. No, that's um, one of the funnest parts about making the film at the end when you just kind of all come together. And then, uh, yeah, my last film, The Zone, I was just, I've been so burned out on doing all the premieres and stuff, but I, I used to be so excited for my premieres. I only did like two premieres. I did one in Australia and then I did one in Costa Mesa. And I was like, I don't want to go on tour. I don't care. The movie speak for itself, blah, blah, blah. I'm not worried about that. But, but yeah, that, that one event that you went to last weekend, for instance, like Jared and Alex and Justin and everyone was there. And when that energy, everyone comes together and there's like your favorite surfers are there, you know, and, and it's, it's like, it brings like the tribe together, you mm-hmm. know, like these are the guys that are, that are doing it. And, and yeah, definitely, um, is a lot better on the big screen with yeah. with the hoots and stuff. I mean that that's what uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's an experience that the three minute edit or the internet can't really replace. You know, and yeah. I feel like so much of the surf media that I um, absorb is through Instagram nowadays, and it's probably the worst platform for it. You know, especially surf imagery. Mm. But again, um, I don't really subscribe to magazines anymore so i'm only fooling myself you know it's like yeah. i'm i'm replacing i want the convenience so i use instagram but really i know 
I enjoy it more when I pull out the magazine and spend some time actually thumbing yep. through it, you know? So I don't know. Maybe we, the consumers, are just eating our own tails, you know? We are, yeah. yeah I'd, <laughs> I'd say that's right, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't subscribe to any um, to any uh, magazines in a couple years. And, uh, yeah, I mean, every time that I, I just run to the Frog House and, and get the shop copy, you know, oh, when the yeah. new Surfer Journal comes out or the new Surfer or something. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you? Where do you get most of your? What media do you follow? Do you obviously you don't subscribe to magazines? Are you on Instagram all day, every day, like everybody else? Or, um, yeah. Well, you know, I live next door to surf shop, so I'm able to kind of check the mags. You know, even as disappointing as it is, but I mean, surfer, even Surfers Journal, you know, I really like respect and like and Surfer Mag. I've always, you know, had a good relationship with and stuff. But yeah, you can see over the years, it's kind of like thinning out and there's kind of some weird ads in there and it's kind of like whoa you know like this is why they run this shot and who's what's this so so yeah i mean i i get just like the rest of everyone you know a lot lot of instagram stuff and then um and then yeah occasional print here and there and uh yeah i'm not really like big like stab you know online guy i'll go check stab you know, once every couple weeks or something more. If I know if there's a cool edit, I'd be like, oh, stab. And I'll be like, cool, I'll go check stab or I'll check what what youth. If it's like when they did the thing on Gavin Beshin, I was like, whoa, that's awesome. And then if it's someone I like, I'll go, you know. Um, what are the outlets? Yeah, there's like Inertia, cor- well, you know, Corduroy. Beach um, Grit. Yeah, Beach Grit. Um, what about uh, you said if there's an edit that you want to see – who do you like? Who do you look forward to nowadays in terms of surfers that you want to watch and in terms of filmmakers that you're interested in? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously, like when a Mason Ho edit comes out, it's like, yeah, Mason. Uh, That's sick. Who yeah. doesn't love Mason? Yeah, not anybody. Yeah, he's such a lord. Um, but he kind of embodies the spirit, I think, of what surfing is. Like, he's completely in love with surfing. It shows in his surfing, and it shows... And, and then he just has this, like, really charismatic um, thing that's that's happening with him. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, – I really love Mason's edits. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> it's so hard to, like – because, yeah, there's really not any, like, Robin Kegel edits that ever come out. Um, I love, you know, Machado, when Machado comes out with an edit. Like – Maybe five years ago, you know, in the marine layer days, I was so excited for Dane edits, but, but, um, yeah, it's, it's tough nowadays to really, to really find, I can't even, I can't even think of like a filmmaker that kind of fires me up at the moment where I'm like, wow, I can't wait till they. Yeah. I was wondering, actually, as you were saying that, Mason and Dane both are good examples of guys who just partnered up with a filmmaker. And I'm trying to tease apart how much of those things that we saw was actually Dane or Minnie Blanchard. Mason or I think it's Rory. Rory, Rory, Rory Pringle, Pringle, yeah. Right. And it's almost like you see, um, I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio does a bunch of Martin Scorsese films in a row, you know? And it's like yeah. they're just partners or... Kelly rides Al Merrick's boards exclusively for a period of time. And you yeah. wonder, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm 
just never really thought of that with a surfer and a filmmaker before. But those guys yeah. are definitely partnered up. Yeah. Right yeah. No, that's that's be, pretty huge. I mean, I, I I'd been known early in my when I first started my career was you know me and Alex were kind of a team. It was me and me and Nose, and me and him were for the first you know three four years um, that I was shooting. It was kind of like like Alex was my guy and that was it you know yeah. and and uh yeah no it it does like it has a huge effect on every surfer you know to to have someone that you're comfortable with and then yeah, yeah you partner up and then yeah i can see the value um obviously for mason just uh or for rory i guess even just to be like dude i'm hitching my my thing to this guy because mason is the man yeah you know? totally um so, but then it goes the other way too yeah. because, like, he's really he's really helped Mason out. You know, that's what I used to think too. I used to be like, oh my gosh, like I owe everything to blah, blah. and then kind of looking back now, it's like, whoa, I was helping out this person. I helped this person as well. Now that I see, like, whoa, they're like established in the surf world, and they've so they need the help as well. And it's nice when you have someone that you respect yeah. for the surfers that they they're comfortable with. And then most of all, like the guy can pump out some like good fun edits that kind yeah. of represent the the surfer in a good way. Well, the reality is Mason was around for quite a while before he and Rory linked up, and we yeah. didn't see a lot of Mason. So yeah. he definitely owes a tremendous amount yeah. to Rory. And the other thing is, it's hard to have a dependable filmer, dude. That's the other thing that I think a yeah. lot of people don't realize is. Yeah. Nobody wants to go sit on the beach and film endlessly every single day when the waves are pumping. Yeah. So that is a rare trait for a surf filmmaker. Yeah. There's, there's I like surfers. it. Yeah, yeah. Do you? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, I usually, like, when the waves are bad, that's when I get to surf, you know? So And the waves are bad most of the time, so I get to surf a bunch. Yeah. But when the waves are good, like, man, I want to shoot, like... I want to shoot, especially if it's someone that I'm excited to shoot with, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, I'll shoot... 10 hours straight just sit there and be like yeah like you know and at the end of the day you know they'll be like thanks for shooting i'll just be like yeah thanks for surfing that's funny <laughs> i was gonna ask you how you manage that i would think that you'd be cringing when the waves are killer yeah no there. not really i mean it's like man i've had so you know i mean how many who cares about my surfing you know like, i don't <laughs> You know, I've already done it all. I've been tubed. I've done, you know, I've done some airs. I've done a few cutbacks and nothing spectacular. And I've done a Metroid trip with photographers, you know, shooting me and stuff. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, I'm all right, you know, average surfer. Who cares about it? And now I, I just... I love like surfing soft top boards when the waves are bad and no one's around, you know? Or I'll, mm. go, sh I'll go surf some shore pound and I don't have to worry about like you know hustling with the thruster guys and stuff and so for me it's just like well when the waves aren't good then i get to surf you know if it's body surf or longboard or soft top like and then when the waves are good i'm focused on shooting because like i said it's like i love capturing those images and it's yeah. like for me like a rush and I, I feel like i'm actually surfing the wave with who i'm shooting you know sometimes yeah. i'm just like whoa you know it's it's um but yeah, it's it's hard to find a dependable shooter as well. The, a lot of the a lot of filmers are kind of flaky, or they're yeah. kind of like yeah, they'll they'll complain, or they want to surf when the waves are good, or so yeah, it's it's tough to um, to find a good shooter for these surfers. If you um, 
Who's somebody that you want to shoot? Somebody that I want to shoot that yeah, I don't like, shoot with? Yeah, maybe like somebody that you've never shot with. Like uh, who's on your hit list of guys? Um, well, you know, kind of at the moment, who I'm trying to, I really would like to be in my next film is Mark Cunningham. So he's kind of, I've just met him a few weeks ago and I actually have shot with him now. I have like a little bit of footage that I'm storing up, but, um, the body surfer. Yeah. The body surfer. Um, and, uh, and now it's kind of the, the, now is the time where like Thomas introduced, Thomas Campbell introduced me to Mark. So I was like introduced through a legitimate thing and, um, and Mark's kind of feeling me out and he's just like, who, you know, he doesn't know who I am. I could just be some, so I have to kind of like prove myself to him that I really want him in my next film. And that's kind of the same process that I went through with like Derek Hine, you know, if Derek Hine was like a, you know, a four, four year kind of like, um, game of cat and mouse, you know, like where he was just like, he met me, I came right up hot, like, boom, how's it going? You know, da, da, da. And then eventually like he, I was still around, you know, and he's like, well, who is this guy? Like, what's, what's, what's going on here? And, um, I mean, there would be months at a time where I'd just, I'd see Derek on, on a daily basis and I never took a picture of him. Never, you know, I didn't want to, I wanted to just be like, I want him to respect me, like what I'm doing and everything. So that's hard, you know, cause I'd yeah. just be like, Oh my God, I'm sitting like with one of my favorite surfers of all time right now. And like, I want to take a picture, you know, but was but that I, in Australia? Yeah, that was in Australia. I met D Hind in, um, 2013 and the, then, and then, yeah, eventually I met Dave Rostovich and then it's like, these are guys are all like kind of, you know, my favorite surfers and I'm able to meet them and then kind of work into where we're able to shoot and stuff like that. But those are, those are the ones I would say, um, that the people that I would, I mean, I'd love to shoot with Rastamore, you know, of course. And, um, I'd love to shoot George Greeno, like just at Wadagos on his air mat. And then, yeah, Mark Cunningham is like, for me, like, it's as good as it gets. What do you want to get with Mark Cunningham? What's your ambition there? Um, I just, for my next film, I just wanted to have, uh, he just, that little, away from surfing and hardboarding where it gets, you get to the core of like what surfing is and just body surfing with your body. I think it's the most, obviously it's the most pure form of surfing. So I, I've always kind of, I haven't had any of that in any of my films. So it's, I think it's like a natural progression. And now I'm, I, I was like, man, you know, well, if I'm going to have body surfing, I'd love to have a body surfing section who would I want to have in it? And it's kind of like, you know, David Rostovich, Mark Cunningham, who are, or, you know, Cunningham is like the man. And then I started thinking like, whoa, you know, Rasta is like really good at body surfing too. Maybe we'll have them, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I just, um, you know, the next film's going to be pretty similar to the zone and it's, it's going to be a little bit more. I'm going to touch on a few more things. Like, you know, we're going to have like maybe some body surfing in it. Maybe I'm going to touch on like the, the, the surfers, like the families and they're, they're like part of their units in the pieces as well. So there's going to be like some kind of, um, more of like a family kind of connection and your loved ones. And, you know, I'm going to make it a little bit more, um, it's going to be sweet. 
you know, with a bit of like humor and then, you know, just like surfing and smiling and sun. I mean, that's kind of like the plan for the next one. Do you have a title in mind? Um, um, I do have a title in mind, uh, but it's not 100% yet. Uh, so I don't want to like. I don't want to. I don't want to say it because it might change. Because yeah. things change. Um, but at the moment, it's pretty. It's, it seems like it's like I'm, I feel like ninety six percent. Like I got the title in the bag, but right. but that four percent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I mean, as the film takes shape, it might. Yeah. Might dictate the title. I'll I'll just give. I mean, it'll be very similar to the last title. Okay. So. Um, that Derek Hine footage that was in the zone, right? He's riding like an eleven foot mm-hmm. something. Is it eleven feet? Yeah, like it's eleven six. Yeah, 11, the, six. Elef- the elephant gun. Yeah, that was the one he took out after the fanning shark attack, right? That footage is so sick, yeah. dude. Yeah, it's so sick. That, yeah. Exactly how I opened the show with saying like, it's mind altering. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I can surf entirely different than I'm currently surfing with my current ability level. Yep. I can go out there do something brand new. Yep. In places of the wave I never thought about before, on boards that I never thought about before, board I have in my garage, I'll just take the fins out, you know, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So it's so radical. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, um, I was lucky to, you know, be able to, to shoot with Derek and get him kind of on all of his favorite boards. You know, that movie's the quintessential D. Hind movie in the, be able to look back, he has all of his favorite boards, you know, his like seven O's, his five three because it's catfishes and then and then yeah that one the yellow board is an iconic iconic board i was thinking of the 11 six the white one yeah but the yellow one yeah it's a um was in glass love in the 70s i think it was a single fin in that film um and then yeah he's altered that one down so it was uh, i was pretty lucky to get that that um that board in the movie but yeah that board is in half at the moment and there was like Chinese tourists at Watergoes in the little paddle boats, and he snapped that board in half. So, um, yeah, I was stoked to get that board in, and all the other boards that he really like loves to ride. And, yeah. Um, um, what was the last board that you rode? I guess it was today. Yeah. But that's always a question for everybody interviewed: is just what was the last surfboard that you rode? Um, I rode a Tanner Prairie. Nine three, um, it's just kind of standard log yeah. at at San Onofre. Nice. And, um, uh, his boards are looking really, really killer. Yeah, yeah. He's so he's just a really nice traditional like um, shaper. Um, he's actually just come out with a new. He's doing a little side thing, so it's not just like Tanner Prairie, but he's doing it's called Dash Surfboards. So oh, he's I doing that. that. Yeah, it's just it's brand new, probably in the, you know in the last month and. Um, and he's just like a really solid guy, you know, like he's a family man. He's got two kids. He's always been responsible. You know, he's not like party guy. Right. And, um, you can always rely on like a good board on time and he's mm-hmm. not like flaky and he's really, really good surfer. I'm kind of like, I've been shooting with him over the last couple of weeks and I'm just realizing like, wow, you know, like he's a really beautiful approach to the wave and I'm just kind of like. Yeah, is he going to be in my next movie or, you know, I don't know, you know, it's like, so. Well, he's underexposed. 
Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Well, the thing is, is his younger brother. His name's Levi, and and he is like completely underexposed. Like he's not even in the surf world, but he's the one that I'm kind of thinking he's going to be in my next movie because okay. he is just like out of this world. Like the stuff that he's doing is like no one's doing it, um, and and that excites me, you know. Yeah. And his youthful energy and stuff, and and then you know Tanner's like the smooth one, calculated one, and then Levi's younger brother's kind of like the wild, the wild one, and and it shows in their surfing like together. Um, that's a story right there. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. That that's juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a short that I'm working on right now. I'm so excited. I just over the last week realized that's that's a um, one project that I'm good enough getting into. Where do people find your work? Where can we direct listeners to buy the zone and to watch all these shorts you're talking about? Um, I'd say, uh, yeah, like you can Vimeo on demand. Um, iTunes has got a lot of like the feature films. I would say like the zone and the groove move that was the last movie I made before the zone. It's pretty, pretty good. The groove move is all hundred percent super eight. And a lot of my old work is like hundred percent super eight. And I kind of look back at it now. I'm like, what was I thinking, man? Just <laughs> shit. But, um, but yeah, I would definitely say, you know, if you haven't seen any of my work, the zone is the one I'm most proud of. It's, yeah. it's, um, it's my, really my latest one. And it's kind of the, the direction that I'm going, you know, making it more, you know, my old stuff is like getting like, oh, this is artsy, and you know, now it's just like a. I just want my surfers smiling, beautiful waves to nice music. That's that's my formula, and um, and I would say Mollusk Surf Shop on Vimeo. They give me free reign, and I've been working with them for you know over three years. Now it's like I get to do whatever projects come into my mind, and then I give it to them. So I, I love all of. You know, I've done some shaper profile pieces on there and stuff, and um, that's a good place to uh, to check out. Like, I don't know, like my own Vimeo page, I haven't uploaded a video in, you know, three years or something. Uh, so. <laughs> I was going to ask you about Mollusk. Like, I don't know those guys, um, but I love everything that they've done. And, like, the, the shapers that they support, the brands they carry, yeah. I feel like your work dovetails perfectly with mm-hmm. their aesthetic um what's their story um yeah they're just uh who are they where'd they come from san francisco yeah i think there's one um kind of john mccambridge is the main guy that started the the company and it was just a surf shop um and then now they branch out into like clothing and stuff but i just kind of more am into the surfer the surfboards and the shapers that they support that they sell and so it's kind of like for me it's like it's about surfing with them um but yeah they've they've branched out to i guess like some of the marshall brothers they do the venice store they they helped run the venice store when it started and i don't know i think it's just uh guys that kind of saw the the other side of surfing you know the non-thruster side and they saw and they filled that void and then and then yeah it was just kind of like lucky enough at that time when you know the early 2010 2011-ish when they approached me and uh, I was doing stuff for Corduroy TV as well for Cyrus and um, and and um, they're like I was like oh here's a short and they were like okay here's 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 money you know I was like whoa you're gonna give me that much money for this and that was how it started you know like um, they were just they were um, they were awesome and then now to this day they they 
um, yeah, they just let me do free reign. So okay. the stuff that you see over the last, you know, two years is all me. It's just, yeah. it's epic. So it's like a perfect, perfect scenario. And uh, I'm I'm always psyched on it. Yeah, like you said, you look forward to Mason Ho's edits. I look forward to those edits. Yeah, I mean, I would be I'd be psyched if there was another kind of surf shop or something that did that. You know, yeah. like Pilgrim Surf Shop in New York. Like, man, come out with some videos. You know, like I'd be so excited to. I just I get excited to see like a longboard edit or like any other anything other than thruster surfing and it's so hard to get that on the internet nowadays. So so yeah, I would be I would, so if there's someone out there, just please start making some <laughs> shorts that I get excited about. Well, I criticize um, surf film a lot on this podcast, but again, like I said, it's just because I'm a huge fan, you know, and yeah. I want to hold, I don't mean to throw Taylor or anybody under the bus. It's like, I want to hold them to the highest standard that, you know, I think that they can achieve in the yeah. Um But I think that the most successful surf films or even three minute edits that I've ever seen do two things really well. Number one, I think there's always story is involved. But number two is actually more important, and that is it should make you psyched to go surf. And I think your films have always executed that second goal in spades. Like, everything I've watched from you, I'm, like, psyched. Epic. So. Well, yeah, that's that's the ultimate goal. I mean, really, that sums it up. Like, at the end, do you want to go surfing, or do you want to just shut it off and like all right let's go eat some food or you know like yeah and everybody's got an opinion on whatever digital versus film or like whatever in the film itself but if you finish it and at the end you're psyched to go shred yeah yeah it's a success yeah yeah yeah. so bravo yeah thank you so much yeah (laughs) (laughs) thanks for coming yeah no problem thank you super psyched to have you around and doing the work that you do i know i am um look forward to every single thing that you put out and hope that you continue on your path for a long time to come keep introducing us to new surfers new equipment new ways of riding waves super super grateful for that and it's really kind of informed my surf experience and thank you to listeners for always tuning in, for sharing the show, and for contributing to the show. We have a donation platform set up through PayPal. You can access it on surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can make a one-time donation, or you're more than welcome as well to set up a subscription. for. Um, we have different options, 5 10 20 bucks a month, and uh, just keep the show afloat. It really, every single dollar goes a really long way. I'm going to be introducing merchandise as well. Um, in the very near future so lots lots of things to come that are they're really just made possible by the donations so thanks for that and then of course if you want to see anything that we discussed in the show if you would like to leave a comment and chime in on the conversation you could do it on surfsplendorpodcast.com and of course on instagram at surfsplendor 
All right, that is all that I have for you this week for Surf Splendor, for Wax On. If you want to check out the wine show, make sure you go ahead and you can download and subscribe to that. Just search the Double D Wine Show. And um, on Instagram, it's Double D Wine. So follow along there. Super irreverent, fun take on a very stodgy kind of elitist world of wine. We're just breaking it down and having fun with it. So check that out if you care at all about wine or if you want to just learn something about wine. All right. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. This is David Scales for the Surf Splendor Network saying get back in the ocean, get a couple of waves, and shred on. Shred on.